Hey everybody, thank you so much for checking out today's episode of Coming Up In My Sneakers, Isolation Edition. Um, So I apologize in advance for any audio sort of connections or whatnot because um, both uh, my guest and myself are both in our own uh, homes. Uh, But so today we have Stephen Tracy and he is an actor and um, he's best known for his work on the Netflix show and with an E. And I don't know anything about that just yet, so I'm so excited to talk to him. So welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Right? How easy is this? (laughs) Um, Okay, so tell me right off the bat, where were you born and raised? Um, I was born in northern Alberta, and uh, that's where I was raised um, in between. uh, My family has a farm there and uh, just outside of Edmonton. And uh, so I had like a little bit of city, city country life. Cool. Sure, but, yeah. What's what town or city was it called that you grew up in? The I grew up in between Athabasca and uh, Saint Albert. Okay, so don't know either of those, which is why you said north of Alberta. But you never know. <laughs> um, that's but awesome. People like the majority of the time when I say that, most people don't know. So I usually just try to make it a general direction. Right, right. Um, and so, sorry, what was the closest city to you? Edmonton. Edmonton. Okay, so you were, um, so how long of a drive away from Edmonton were you? Um, the, St. Albert's not so far. It's like, it would be like a 40 minute drive and then, um, at the Basque is around, uh, two hours. Oh, okay. Okay, so you still, like, growing up on a farm, but you still had access to Edmonton and would you visit, like, kind of regularly, like? Yeah, I mean, like, um, we would, uh, like, go back and forth and eventually when I was in high school I started going to uh, school in the um, in the city I actually went to high school in Edmonton to go to um, a visual performing arts high school which sort of catapulted me into the arts community at first I actually originally went for visual arts my teacher um, (laughs) I drew a a picture of the Titanic because I was obsessed with it you know great story great movie um and uh, she reached out to my parents and told them that i should go to this school in the city and uh my parents didn't want me to go at first and she kept pushing them every year and then eventually um we put together a portfolio and i applied to get to this get into the school and went there and then um while i was there they were casting a play and the play was about brothers and they had already had one guy in mind that they wanted to cast, and I looked very similar to him, and I had no real acting experience um, prior to that. Stu just loves painting and watercolor and pastels and um, acrylic. So it was just like I was always thriving in my own little inner world. Um, and then I auditioned and I got the part and it really, really uh, opened me up to uh, different sides of myself or different parts of my personality that I didn't know were within me but but were. And it was a kind of like a safety net to, to be in a scenario where you had a set of circumstances, a uh, script involved. You didn't necessarily have to be you. You were sort of 
you, you were relying on improvisation to be charming or funny or smart or strong or brave. You were just the character that was given and everything was already laid out from point A to point B. Um, but it was a nice way to be seen without having to be seen necessarily as who you are. But the funny thing is, is that you actually get to know who you are by doing those things. Interesting. And the best fact, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like this, I think a, that happens to a lot of artists uh, who like to go into performing is they're trying to hide from themselves, but ultimately what makes them them is, uh, what makes them special is who they are deep down. It's how they would do the thing, how they would approach the character, how um, they interpret the scenario and the set of circumstances. So you eventually, uh, you kind of, the thing that you were running away from becomes um, the reason that you are successful. Mm. You know, you're trying to run yourself and then you eventually realize that what makes you unique or what makes you good at this job is you in particular, you know? Right, so that's uh, awesome. So, okay, I want to backtrack a little bit because that's, uh, like, I already love that. So you're just thrown into it, it sounds like. Um, but growing up, like, did you, so were you always more, like, uh, visual art based? Did you like to paint and draw? And is that sort of how you spent your childhood? Or did you, were, and did you have any siblings also? Yeah, I've got two siblings, one of which is actually my twin, twin sister. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we look nothing alike, like, com- complete opposites. Uh, I'm six foot two, I think she's like five four. Oh um, my god. She's, she's got like olive skin tone, and I'm just a little strawberry peach you know I like look at the sun and I'm blushing um I look out the window and I'm sunburned um and uh, she funny enough has gone into accounting so oh wow like we have like similar personalities but completely different completely different interests um and she was like super super outgoing when we were kids and super super popular and I was super super not um but I was like super drawn to uh to drawing always always I think I totally um always was in like a visual um based mindset and I think that's what's so incredible about film and that's probably why I work in film now because it is it's obviously a visual medium you're you uh more so than um I think more so than uh um say theater um because you in theater you have uh a, a, a scope and a view of um, a story, but you can't govern specifically the experience that the audience member is going to have. Whereas in film, for the most part, whether it's through the tone of the music or whether it's through like we're going to cut to this moment when this line is said, you're 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 uh, manipulating people's emotions to uh, get their heart rate up, get them excited about a car chase or a dangerous scenario or like they're falling off a cliff and you just see their fingers about to slide off, like you're governing that experience. Um, And I like that idea of like visual storytelling. Um, And as an actor, you have to start thinking about how things are being portrayed and the different angles. Um, So it is, I think the two worlds really cross over really, really well when you can see things from a visual perspective and then think about how they're being portrayed so that you're actually um, telling the story properly. Nice. Yeah. So when when you started um, realizing that you were good at drawing and 
uh, enjoyed it, did you start to think immediately about like what you wanted to do later or was it just kind of something that you enjoyed to do and that was that? Honestly, it was um, just something that I enjoyed to, to do. I mean, I, I, I don't think like many, especially coming from Northern Alberta, um, visual arts isn't a career that most people are. It's it's you're not encompassed by it. You're not um, you're not uh, you don't. I don't. I don't think there was any moment where I really thought of that as like a possible. Uh, career path to take especially like as a kid because mm-hmm. um, it's it's just no one's making money that way it's for a lot of the for most of it it's um, different uh, trade work or um, oil farming yeah. um, they're they're very like tactile hands-on um, middle class jobs you know a lot of people make tons of money on now but I think in terms of um, the scale of uh, where careers set that they're considered more um, middle class jobs. So to think about the idea of being an artist, it wasn't really a, a possibility, and it was just more of like a, it was just more something that I think I was I was drawn to in terms of um, self expression. I mean, even after like writing tests. I would be so excited to finish the test because I could flip the test over and I would have time to just draw a picture on ah. the back. More so than like being correct about whatever I was studying or hoping to pass. Yeah. Um, uh, and then w- once I was in high school, I don't know, I think, I don't even, to be honest, it kind of just was instinctual. It, it's so interesting I because, knew, sorry. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, um, I don't like. It's funny. I, I haven't really thought about like the moment that I was like, I need to pursue this as a career. I think my instinct as a human was just like get out of the province. I just knew right. that my, I just didn't want to be there anymore, and so I, uh, I applied to Simon Fraser, and I did archaeology and theater. Um, and a, what a, is that? And where is that? Is that the art school that you went to? No, sorry. Um, uh, the art school I went to was in Edmonton, and then I applied to the university in British Columbia. Oh, okay. So as a first year studies, because I was thinking about pursuing uh, um, acting as a, uh, just to figure out what a training program would be like. And most university programs, you have to have a year of general studies before you get into the Bachelor of Fine Arts in acting. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry, you cut out for one second. So that. you said you wanted to go for acting, right? To You cut out for a sec. So you wanted to go yeah. to this... Okay, okay, sorry. Um, I, yeah, well, I was just thinking... I was thinking about the, the idea of performance because I, I think I got, like, addicted to... Um, addicted to that idea of discovering different parts of who you are and, like, branching out. And I think with some of the most beautiful things... Uh, moments um, that you get to experience as an actor is you get to experience things that you wouldn't experience in your everyday life. Um, mm-hmm. You're not going to, uh, hopefully, you're not going to be, uh, um, you know, in something as like melodramatic as like holding your dead lover or something, but like they're super exciting moments to play um, um, and figure out where you would be emotionally in those set of circumstances. Um, so I, ju- I I was thinking about pursuing acting, but at the same time the uh, 
the Northern Albertan in me was trying to figure out what would be a backup, like what would be a backup job in case none of this really worked out. And I was thinking, I, I loved history also as a kid, so I was thinking about archaeology and the program in BC was one of the few places that actually offered uh, um, that program in the country specifically uh, to do anthropology, but not places to do archaeology. So I was thinking about going there and that when I was there, my roommate at the time was applying to a bunch of schools and I was applying to a bunch of schools, but one in particular was in Montreal and it was the National Theatre School of Canada. And um, I was hesitant to do it, but I figured it would be a good audition experience. I applied and um, uh, I wasn't thinking about getting in because they only accept like 10, but I got in. Oh, um, wow. Which was super amazing. And I decided to go to Quebec and I had never been there before went on my own. Do you speak uh, any French whatsoever? And, uh, well, I did French, I did French immersion. Funny oh, enough. oh, okay. So you're good then. <laughs> so I knew, like I knew like school French, but like Quebec French is very different. So when I got there, I was like, oh, I don't know French. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, Still better than nothing but, though. Uh, like I know zero French. So I would just be like, uh. <laughs> right. I could navigate a grocery store and like. Yeah. But uh, in terms of like, the, like uh, the slang and the language and the wordplay, it's kind of harder to keep up. But if you're just having a formal conversation, totally, um, you know, you can get directions, you can get by. But uh, to uh, be cool and hip, not so much. But I don't <laughs> think I would ever consider myself cool or hip. <laughs> um, but the it was amazing because it was one of those things where you, I think, like if you want to pursue something wholeheartedly, you kind of, I, I think, you have to not put your eggs in multiple baskets I think you have to run at it because otherwise the universe doesn't know that you re- like or isn't like you really really want this thing so true and I was lucky that this opportunity opened itself to me because I didn't have any other options to um to fall back on if I pursued this program because it was like six days a week oh we wow would have, we would start at like 8 30 and there was the possibility of going till midnight um, some days. And uh, in your one day off, you were spent like preparing for the week, learning lines or doing laundry, um, yeah. trying to cook. But there was just, there was no time to have like a, like a, a part-time job. There's no time to uh, uh, study anything else. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, it was just like a nice opportunity to narrow your focus and, um, and really dive into this thing that I felt like I was tiptoeing around a lot um, being like I want to do this I don't know if I want to do this I want to do this I don't know want to do this and I feel like I don't know want to do this is probably the uh, environment that I was raised in more so than like what my heart was actually telling me yeah so I want to recap really quick um, so you are growing up in northern Alberta you are a drawer you get thrown into this like school play because you look like the lead and could be his brother then you realize oh wow i actually really like this even more than drawing and then now so what i'm just confused a little bit because you applied to that school in bc and then you did not get in and then that's what made you go to the montreal school or what happened there because this is such a sorry this is such a unique situation because 
um, I've never really talked to anybody that like didn't even have a little bit of a feeling that they're like, oh yeah, like I want to act. Like it was, it sounds like it was just sort of thrown at you and you're like, hey, I actually really, like it kind of picked you in a weird way. Like, I don't know that it's really cool. Yeah, well, I think one of the amazing things is if um, I think the majority of my family um, are so surprised that I've ended up being in this career because as a kid, you would never know that this is, I, I, you would never imagine I would be that type of person. I remember like with my sisters, we would go to the grocery store and my parents would give us like a toonie or something to get uh, like a chocolate bar. And I was so shy that I couldn't give the money to the cashier because <laughs> I would have like a, an anxiety. Oh, no. So like, like I was, I probably <laughs> just order, but um, the uh, then um, uh, after high school, so after doing a couple of the plays, I was thinking about it, and I knew I didn't want to be there, so I applied to a program and got in in BC. So right, but then what you I was didn't to say before was yeah, sorry, but you didn't go there. Post secondary education. What you did, and so but you didn't end up going I mean, there, right? I did. Oh, you did. Okay, so sorry. I went I'm to Simon Fraser in, in Vancouver for um a, for a year, and while I was there, I applied to post-secondary oh. uh, theater programs, acting in, programs. Okay, okay. Um, some of them were in the states, and you know what? I was lucky enough to. I I got some really lovely offers from some a lot of great programs, but um, when I was like consulting people who were already you know somewhat established in the community about what program to go to, they always, all of them said, the National Theatre School, the National Theatre School, the National Theatre School, so... Nice. I, well, uh, what was the conversation with your parents like um, when you were leaving your archaeology program and you were like, hey, parents, I'm going to go do theatre school. <laughs> Tell me about how that went over. Um, not phenomenally. <laughs> um... <laughs> Not, not, not great. Um, both of my parents um, grew up super poor, and they both grew up on farms. My dad grew up in um, Ireland on a on a small farm that his family has had for like four hundred years. Oh wow! And um, my mother family came from the Ukraine and built a farm in northern Alberta, <laughs> and so like hard work. Um, gets results, uh, money doesn't come easy is sort of what the mentality is, and you need to do things to think about the future, think about the future, think about the future. Safety, I think, is more important than uh, maybe sometimes the fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And the, obviously, like, their, their, uh, their worries were more from speaking from their own experiences about the hardships that they faced and probably like, I don't want you to have to go through the same thing. I don't want you to struggle. We struggled. But, um, at the time I totally was more head buddy about it. I think like in terms of like self-reflection and growing and becoming more of an adult, you're, uh, you can see the reasoning behind it because obviously it's, uh, it's, it can be a scary job, specifically in times like these where you, um, when you're applying for EI and self-employment uh, as an actor isn't yeah. something that's the government recognizes as incredibly important. Um, but 
there was a lot of pushback and a lot of struggle. And I, the funny thing is, is I still get it. Every once really? in a while, I remember one time, um, uh, my mom phoned me and she was like, "Oh, Stephen, I'm so sad today." And I'm like, "Mom, why are you sad?" She was like, "I watched the Oscars yesterday." I was like, "What? You didn't? You didn't like them?" She's like, "No, no. I just just made me think." I don't know if I'm ever going to see you there. Oh my <laughs> God! What a savage comment. <laughs> oh no. It's so This is a really hard competitive industry and I don't want you to be disappointed. I don't want you to... Uh, I don't want to see you hurt in that way. You know, and sometimes the words come out wrong. Yeah, she's worried for you. I think there's... Yeah, well, I think, like, before, that would have, like, crushed me. It's actually, I find it, like, pretty fucking hilarious now. <laughs> but the, uh, I think that idea of um, these, the experiences that people have um, get ingrained within them, and it creates their own, their their behaviors. And uh, I think, based off of uh, my parents' behaviors, they money as uh, survival, money as... Um, to do without and the fear to make more is because of the fear of mm-hmm. not having um, as opposed to the idea of uh, love of work you know totally and which so- is a fair worry because I think like many of our parents and grandparents like our age like millennials many of our parents and grandparents like it was like there wasn't like oh do what you love like it was like no you need to eat and have a roof like that was just like what life's purpose was so it's like hard to kind of get out of that and um like understand and and I guess we're so lucky that we are in a position and in a place where we do have that choice because of our family before us because of their choices right so it's like we're so lucky we should take advantage but then it's also like relaying that information to them is sometimes can be like okay but (laughs) like it's harder right like (laughs) what do did you did you have a were your parents like as you were pursuing different <clears throat> types of like blogging, journalism, um, fashion? Yeah, so I was. Heads with you? I was really like like a group. It's so funny. You're the second. You're the second person now to turn the interview around on me. Not interview, but like this discussion, which is so funny. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so I grew up with my dad, and I I was really lucky that he kind of was like that. Um, first generation butting heads with like his parents over what he wanted to do. Um, they wanted him to take over my grandfather's, um, uh, he was a doctor. They wanted to take over his like family doctor practice. And my dad was like, but I really don't want to do that. And he kind of deviated and did what he wanted to do and started his own business uh, and got into the business yeah. world. So I was really lucky that with myself and my brother, who's also in um, film and videography and in like a creative industry, um, my dad was like, listen, I know what it's like to have that pressure on me. You guys just do what you love. I promise the money will come. It's all going to be good. Just like do what you want. So uh, yeah, so we were really, really lucky in that he understood that and, and, uh, and, and has always encouraged us to do what we want because I think he was that first, like he felt that, um, with his own parents and so he's like i'm not going to do it to you guys he didn't even pressure us to go to university he's like i it's you like you should i would like like it's smart to um but he's like if you really are like dead against it then like don't 
just go to, to do to go so um yeah so i was i was very very lucky in that but i know a lot of people around me um their parents were the first to sort of like uh, they were the first to have that conversation with their parents sort of like how you described so um yeah mm. i think because my dad grew up my dad was born yeah. in canada t- as well so like he was the his parents were the immigrants so like um so i think that he kind of had he was like that first like uh generational gap to do that so like i was lucky in that sense but yeah 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 it, but it is I, important it, it, have you ever heard of khalil gibran no Who's that? He's um he's like a a writer poet and he has like one of the most beautiful passages based off of like everything that we're talking about. Okay, I'm so Here. excited. It's, it's like he has this book called The Prophet. Um, oh, someone was just reading that on my Instagram stories. I was like flipping through Instagram this morning and I was like, I saw that book and I just was like, I swiped by. But that's so weird that you're bringing it up. We have frozen listeners. Hold on one second. And honestly, it's like the tiniest little panel read about different aspects of life, and one is on children. Um, and it's, I think it speaks to a lot of artists and speaks to exactly what we're talking about here. And it goes, um, uh, And a woman who held a babe against her bosom said, Speak to us of children. And he said, Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not make them like you. For life goes not backwards, nor tarries with yesterday. You are the bows from which your children are living arrows are sent forth. The archer seeks the mark upon the path of the infinite, and he bends you with his might, that his arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness. For even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves the bow that is stable. Just I, that idea of like... I love that. Like your children are separate people. Like they're not just... Yeah. Like they are yeah. human. Like, okay, you you have... It's so, I really, really love and resonate with that a lot. Because I think a lot of every sort of conflict that I've personally been through with like family or have heard from other friends going through their family it's it's always when they're trying to be sort of controlled ultimately but it's like just because I'm like okay I get them living in your house and blah blah and all those same things you know the thing when you live in my house it's my rules blah blah fine I'll follow your rules but like don't try to like tell me what I need to do in my life like I'm my own person I I really like that yeah you know there's like there's obviously a fine line between them uh safety and identity i think you know if somebody's doing something that's incredibly problematic and you need to intervene as a parent for sure yes. go for it i'm not uh, i'm not saying that if someone's trying to explore a certain part of themselves and i think that goes to you know what you were saying about your own father about making somebody's uh, life goals uh their children's is so toxic and yeah they'll spend a life i'm either repeating that cycle of trying to be them um being disappointed all the time because they're not actually being true to who they are yeah and i think that's been such a great uh exploration in terms of uh for myself going into the arts about like who what is identity who are you and like um how important it is to acknowledge what makes you you ultimately 
mm-hmm. like that I think that's the one of the, the biggest journeys of um, of like why we're on this little speck of dust in the in the cosmos spinning around it's just totally you know, give yourself the time to be you and uh, don't don't let uh, don't let others shake you from that because of their fear or mm-hmm. because of um, their insecurities or, or their uh, their regrets and um, it's so true that but it's a part doesn't it take like a, li- yeah. a lifetime sometimes to like re- like it's 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 um I realized the same thing as well, but some people go like 65 years and they don't realize that. Like it's such a, a blessing to learn these basic but very hard to learn things like young. And then I feel like if you can kind of grasp this concept, then like you're going to have a good life, you know? Yeah. I mean, like even thinking about the school system, I'm like, you're, you're teaching me about, about like, um, you should be really teaching like life skills about like the importance of yes. identity and like you know sometimes you have conversations with your parents and all they really want is the best for you not like make a valentine's for your mom. yeah yeah <laughs> honestly god um okay so i want to ask about um your uh the school that you were talking about the theater school so did you like spend four years there so that's like sort of where you got all of your training from Three years. three years so the program it's technically i think like a four-year program but because they add um the sixth day so the there's a english side and a french side the french side is four year uh, four years five days a week and the english side is three years six days a week oh. um, and so i went there for the for the three years in montreal and it was a lot of work and beautiful crazy times but you you had six days a week of being an artist from um from from the moment you wake up from the moment you go to bed um your dreams are filled with it and it's it's a it's a beautiful opportunity to teach um hard work and persistency because i think some of the danger of once you graduate is the fact that the influx of work is going to always vary you never know where you're going to be at so being able to create a work ethic within yourself when you don't have a direct project telling you what to do at all hours of the day um it's like how you sustain your craft and uh, how you uh, keep keep your your skills sharpened and honed um and these are things that you don't necessarily know when you're in the program but like once you get out you're like oh i get it that's why yeah. that's why i had it such such ridiculous hours that's interesting that you say that and very um uh like a good takeaway because i think that's what happens to a lot of people they're like submerged in this when they're in a program or something and they get out and they're like oh shit like how do you sort of govern yourself like what what you were saying um and so i want to ask like what did happen when you left that program like did you were you kind of just like what now or like what was your next step um i was lucky enough to have uh, booked a festival in Newfoundland. Oh. Uh, funny enough, in a place called Stephenville, spelled no the same, way. Um, for the summer right after right after graduating. So it kind of felt That's like awesome. it was just sort of like a seamless uh, continuation. And then I, I did another show in the fall, and um, it was kind of like 
I was pretty lucky with sort of like a, 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 a steady flow of work, and then sometimes it kind of drops off, and you're like, uh, I think you begin to question your self worth because you have been so invested in the day to day of I'm a performer, I'm an artist, I'm an actor, um, and I feel fulfilled because I'm being given this work. I, but part of the struggle is how do you maintain that when there is no set work and um i think that's why a lot of people leave the business as time goes on is that question of where you place your your set of um of values because uh, it can be it can be it's a, it's a trap for a job that requires you to be seen and to be vulnerable all the time so your job is for, for the first and foremost is to express vulnerability in different stages whether you know you're it's um love anger hate um fear you're constantly showing how you would portray those things and then if you're going through a period where you're not booking anything you also have to not take it personally <laughs> it's a funny dance and uh that you have that you're doing with yourself it's a it's a little ballet of like here i am um throwing myself on the line but trying not to uh, uh i can't beat myself up for when things don't come because a lot of the time these things are just so far from what uh so, the decision making is so far from the essence of you like if you're getting into the room to be seen for an audition that's first of all huge because the steps to just even get into the room there's so many um no 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 i don't want to see them i don't want to see them i don't want to see them i want to see them i guess i'll see them i guess i'll see them mm-hmm. I'll see them so just being seen is a win and then you know if you get a call back or if you're having a, a chemistry test in the end it's no longer a question of your abilities it's the it'll come down to silly things like Oh, the dad has has uh, brown eyes, and this guy's got blue. It couldn't possibly be father related or whatever. Yeah. Um, or or the we've already cast the love interest, and um, she's she's like half his height, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a bitch to have to like put them in the same frame all. The time. Right. You know. Um, On that topic, so like, these are the types of things that you have to like. Sorry, yeah. I was going to say, I read something, um, I read a bo- uh, Jenna Fisher's book. Do you know who Jenna Fisher is from The Office? Uh, Pam from The Office? Mm. Jenna- okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so she has a book uh, out, and I read something in her book. Um, she says something so interesting. She she After The Office, she booked a huge um, sitcom in, in like a live studio audience type of thing, and Matt LeBlanc, uh, who plays Joey, obviously, on, on Friends, was the like I guess the the man and like they were like supposed to be a husband and wife and they both like did such an outstanding job they both booked it he was more of the anchor because like of friends and he was like a little bit of a bigger name but she was coming out of the office so she was still very relevant too but then um they shot a couple of episodes and then they they tested them in front of like uh an audience and every single person was like i just can't picture joey and pam together even though two completely other shows but so unrelated to what this show was 
um, it was, it, and Jenna got fired because they were just like, it was, you're perfect for the role. We love you. But like, people are so like, but this isn't Matt LeBlanc. That's Joey. And then this isn't Jenna Fisher. That's Pam. And they're like, we just can't see Joey and Pam being together. And so she got, got cut. And it's exactly what you're saying. Like, it has nothing to do with her ability. They loved her. It's just like, if people, if the audience is going to see them that way, then that's what it is, you know? Yeah, well, like I think it's it's um it's it's funny for like the the film industry can also be it's like it's like it's can be a beautiful gateway in terms of uh, teaching people teaching people and showing people experiences and lives that they don't have um, within their own community. You know, say somebody growing up in like uh, rural Wyoming might not necessarily understand the intricacies of um, Moonlight. But because it's been put on a huge uh, public scale, they may sit down and watch it and get more empathy and understanding um, of that community, of that identity, of that sexual identity, um, and bridge a connection to be like, I, I now feel like I have a personal experience because I've seen a personal experience on film. And like that makes people better people. But at the same time, these people um, running other projects uh, are so concerned with those silly like those details of like Joey versus Pam Office versus Friends and not giving the audience the opportunity to have their minds changed you know they hear one comment on it and they're afraid of losing money right because money is the is what makes the world go round and makes these projects um, and the fear of of uh, not being able to change the conversation becomes more important than the actual idea of like these are the best people for the role. Let's yeah. make some magic. It's so true because like had they taken the chance, who knows what have ha- would have happened. But you're right. Like it was, you know, a product at the end of the day. They were like, oh my god, okay, no, we can't have this. Like we got to pull out. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting. I've had friends. Um, I've had friends in LA, and um, I was there recently, and they're telling me about how they uh, shot a pilot. And most of the time, the way that works in the states is the pilot gets shot, and that's it. And then they submit it to different networks, and if it gets picked up by a network, then like a year later, they shoot the rest of the season, and then they release that. Whereas in Canada, for the most part, everything's greenlit, and they just go for the whole for the whole season but um uh they shot a pilot and it got picked up and they had some test audiences and the the, the audiences didn't uh, like their character and so they were killed off within a couple episodes but when originally they were supposed to be a something throughout the entire season oh, no. just because like these the it can be a crazy thing and it's like it's not a testament to your abilities it's just another another speed bump but like uh, another question of of uh, the bravery of of uh, daring to put yourself and your vulnerability in in the public eye, you know, totally. you have to you have to be uh, you have to be so sensitive and um, open, but also so uh, strong, so cutthroat, because there's so many things that could um, 
could totally break you but it's it's crazy but at the same time for every every instance of um, every instance of something like the the jenna fisher moment of like i know the blue eyes versus brown eyes and um, you have other people completely completely changing the conversation and doing it successfully yeah and um and ultimately you're like those are the people that will go far those are the people that are like really making change and really telling story and actually getting beautiful audience reception to it because people are 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 starved um authenticity people are starved for um connecting on a personal level um and i think that's why you know social media instagram and um um, is, is is really blowing up is because people feel like they're really getting to know um, humans on a on a on a true on a true basis, and it's like why don't we actually reflect what the world looks like um, in our theaters or on our on our streaming sites? Yeah, it's yeah. so true. Um, interesting. So tell me about. So you live in Toronto now, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how did you end up here? Just right after um, theater school, I think Montreal has a, an amazing film community, and the majority of Canadian Oscar nominations have actually been from the francophone, um, the francophone cinema. Interesting. Uh, but if you're not completely fluent in in French, it's um, it's it's hard to like break into that community and there's a lot of English projects that film there too but most of them audition in Toronto. Toronto's sort of like an incredible hub uh, the North Hollywood of, of of Canada so most of the things that shoot in Canada um, audition here so it was more just like a like a, a business choice. Yeah, I To be honest, Toronto's great, don't get me wrong but if I had to choose between um, Montreal and Toronto and they offered the same things uh, career and opportunity wise I think I would choose Montreal um, I don't I just blame love, you like, in culture yeah the, you feel like you're in Europe there the, you feel yeah, like you when, feel like, like yeah I just love the idea of like you go to a park in Montreal at like 9 o'clock at night you'll see two elderly couples having wine and playing croquet and like then you'll see like a family having a picnic um, or somebody playing board games but if you go to a park at 9 o'clock at night in Toronto <laughs> someone's getting someone's shot shooting up drugs. yeah someone's <laughs> getting shot somebody's homeless I know it's so true it's so true exactly um, and it's also so much smaller so it's like yeah it's uh, it's just easier to navigate but that's I think that's that's what happens when um when cities get so big, uh, they, uh, you know, they attract all different types of, all different types of people. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say, I think Toronto's amazing and Toronto has, uh, done, has done so much. And I think Toronto's really, really only up and up in terms of a global, uh, a global, uh, identity. Um, people are really starting to take it seriously. I mean, even the the, the, the film community here, mm-hmm. uh, Netflix is opening a studio, CBS just opened a studio. Some of the biggest projects in, in uh, or most acclaimed projects have been filming here. Um, because of the union laws, they have to have a certain percentage of Canadian uh, production 
talent yeah. on and off screen. And the tax credits um, they get are that has provided gross. incredible, like in a good yeah, way. <laughs> it's provided incredible for Canadian Canadian actors. Yeah, um, because they legally have to do it. So it's, you know, if you were to go down to the states with nothing on your resume, you know, that's it's it's going to be a little bit more of an uphill battle. Um, but the fact that so many things are here, it's it's actually opening the doors to get bigger opportunity um, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a larger scale. I mean, funny enough, I technically um, haven't even worked on a Canadian show. Um, I did, and with an E, as you said at the beginning, but it's mainly owned by Netflix US. Uh, the CBC was like a co-pro within it. So like, okay. it's a Canadian story, but it's funded. by Americans and it's like uh, to be an actor I mean obviously not in this very specific moment but um, it's a great time through the last couple of years to be an actor here nice um, and on that topic can you tell me about that experience like how did Anne with an E come about um, like tell me about like the audition process like all of that stuff if you don't mind no not, not at all oh, um, the classic classic uh, agent sends you a breakdown they got you a character for um, to read for something in the room I read it uh, I play first of all the the mean-spirited school teacher um, on the show and at the time I think I was 22 or, and uh, I had just shaved my head and I so I didn't really look period appropriate um, <laughs> but the character had it was so like juicy and like dynamic something he was it's just one of those people who has like a really sad life and uses the joy of tormenting kids to forget about all the things that he hates about himself right he uses his classroom as like a stage super flamboyant super strict like a lot of room to play um and uh, went in, got a call back, and then I remember after, um, yeah, no, I got the call back, and I, and I eventually I booked it. Um, and the first day that I had on set, it was a, a wig and mustache fitting, oh. and I was like, I have to wear a wig and a mustache. <laughs> um, obviously, I figured a wig because of my hair at the time, but I didn't realize they were going to put me in a mustache. And so I spent the first like four hours just having wig cut on my head and different mustaches being pulled on and off and getting approved by uh, production um, but uh, the, uh, the 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 head of hair was like you're lucky and I was like why and she was like they really wanted you and I was like what do you mean they're like they sent us photos of you saying can you make this guy period appropriate and uh, she was like, I'm going to take on that challenge because I could have said no. <laughs> um, so I'm really lucky wow. to, to have the, the, the talent of the hair and makeup create. create yeah, that look they could have just been like, um, absolutely not. No, uh, I mean, it was, it's amazing. Like, um, I'll send you a picture after so you can see it. But like, I look, I, I look so far from um, what 
I am in real life to the point that I had a BuzzFeed article written about me no and way. Uh, that trended in Canada and, uh, and uh, that eventually brought me to have like an interview on ET Canada about it <laughs> just so funny just the, how different you looked was that the topic yeah, of it You're like oh yeah, wow yeah. I think the BuzzFeed article was um, it was written by somebody in Australia, but it was like, look how it was literally something along the lines of like, look how different this guy looks in real life. Oh wow, I have to see. Uh, because on the show, he's he's like a, a, a he he's like a pervy, creepy like like twiddling mustache, um, right, right, uh, type character, and he. He prays on one of in the classroom, and uh, which is actually all in the book because at the time that would have been appropriate, especially it's set on it's set in Prince Edward Island, Anakin Hills, where where the young like the older students would eventually become the the, the school teachers in the small one room schoolhouse, you know, those little rural communities. So yeah. his age actually wasn't that far from the students, and at that time it would have been technically considered appropriate. But from our current lens, it's like quite shocking and. Um, obviously, it's quite shocking, but uh, it was it was amazing how just to see that response. I remember thinking to myself after we finished shooting season one, I was like, "If I did a good job, no one's gonna know it's me." <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but if I, I did a bad job, yes. <laughs> you cut out for a quick second, but I think you said if you did a bad job, then like people would recognize you. Yeah, just like. A, if, if I did a good job, nobody's going to know it's me. But if I did a bad job, no one's going to know that it's me. Oh. So it was kind of like... A, <laughs> there was a win in there. There's a win in there. there um, yeah, totally. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it, it was an amazing, amazing experience. Like, the people on the, on the show are just incredible, uh, open, heartwarming, talented individuals and I've made some beautiful lifelong friends from it the uh, the writer creator uh, was one of the writer creators on Breaking Bad um, oh my god my favorite Joe ever classic story it um, she gave she gave weight to it the if you're unfamiliar with the premise it's about a young um, redheaded orphan girl um being adopted by an elderly brother and sister who never married on a farm in uh, Prince Edward Island. And when she gets there, there's been a mistake because they actually wanted a boy. And it's the story of I can do whatever a boy can do. Oh, and she, nice. she changes their mind. So it's a young person coming in and shaking up the, the set biases of a, of a community. And so completely relatable to circumstances today because yeah. our gender norms haven't changed so much um, and, uh, and I think it's like a nice uh, jumping off point for so many different aspects of uh, uh, so many different types of otherness that we that we put out into the communities and how we can sort of change that conversation and uh, uh, the did it shoot in Toronto the, the or out there in the show um, incredible actress but uh, the character itself in the books talks about the psychosis of what it's like to be uh, to be abused um, oh, wow. and 
there's been a lot of like storybook, like picture book, flowery versions of it, but this one actually addresses that trauma and um, getting getting over that trauma when you're in a safe environment finally. And uh, thinking it just makes it more, just gives it more depth and gives it more um, more beauty because that's that's what it is to be human, right? Mm-hmm. That's um, our our triumphs and our pain um, make us dynamic and. I think everybody can relate to that, and the show mm-hmm. did incredibly well. Uh, and there's been such a beautiful response from the from the, the, the fans. Like I, like I have to talk to them. I adore them. They're so funny. They're incredible. the The, the show is now canceled, but they teamed together like twenty thousand dollars. We're putting up, uh, putting up renew the show signs in Times Square and in Dundas oh, Square wow. and different places in the States like the, the fan base for it is huge and it's international like one of the biggest where, where it's where the show is one of the biggest is in Brazil and so shout out to, oh, wow. to all those Brazilians do but you know why the, it got cancelled? did they the give you a that, reason? Like, um, I, I think there's multiple um, uh aspects at play but they're ultimately in the hands of um, producers and um, networks and mm-hmm. finances um, things uh, beyond beyond uh, the ears of the, the lowly actor that's actually one of the funniest things about being an actor is I think everybody believes that you have your ear to the ground and have the ability to pull strings but honestly the, we are the bottom of the list the last people to find out anything even on the day they could have changed you know you're coming in to shoot a scene and it could have changed to a different scene and you're like the last person ever to uh to find out or so many people come up to you just like oh um uh, my my child wants to be an actor can is there anything that you can do for them and i'm like if you want something done for your kid you got to talk to which director you got a casting talk to director because these are the yeah. people who make the decisions behind the projects it's rarely the actor so so um, true or even like when you go to these like networking events um, and you have these these actors coming up and talking to people like you you really realize that um, it's hard to sell yourself at those types of things because uh, your job is to play characters and unless you're there doing a performance a stranger it doesn't really know what they can get from you mm-hmm. whereas like if you're a writer you like, have this brilliant idea um, a, a director a, a director would be perfect and then that's how things get the ball get the ball rolling but at the end of the day the actor is uh, one of the last people to find out any sort of decision making whatsoever hilarious um, and also I wanted to ask you uh, mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to ask you about like present day I know you had some auditions recently and I know everything's come to a halt because of this isolation period. Um, but do you have anything like sort of on the books for this year or like what's sort of happening right now? Um, I'm, uh, I've been incredibly lucky. I was shooting a show from October. My last day was February 20th. Um, I can't say what the show is because it hasn't been announced, but, uh, in terms of my timing, uh, I got to, do a completed shoot before before this all happened. of this um, hit the fan. Um, 
the industry currently is uh, is uh, kind of on hold, obviously in terms of production, but um, auditions are still happening because self tapes, right? Uh, because technology has advanced in the way that it is. A lot of the industry has actually moved into um, doing a tape at home. So that, uh, if you don't know what a, a self tape is, um, for whatever reason. <laughs> Classic. Um, we're back. Um, I don't want to say I'm clumsy, but um, I drop things. Uh, yeah. uh, self tape is just pretty much an audition that you do at home. So you just have somebody, you record it on whatever piece of equipment you have and then send it in. Do the scene with somebody. But uh, because of um, so many American projects coming up here, a lot of the time, your auditions have been self-taped so that the people who are making the decisions uh, down south um, can see your work. Um, nice. And uh, it saves time and it saves money and currently it can save lives. Yeah. So there's still going on um, behind the scenes with some casting, uh, but no no major project is going on. I actually have a, a friend who's um, uh, shooting another show at the moment, I don't know if I'm allowed to see which show it is, but it's a very big show that has done super well, and uh, they had a halt in the middle of oh. shooting an episode because of uh, because of uh, this whole instance. Um, and uh, but I think that the funny thing is, is uh, in times like these, um, you are kind of reminded of. Um, I think <laughs> it's going to sound so stupid and terrible, but you're kind of reminded of like how non-essential to just being a human your job is. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> um, you're like I'm, I, uh, you contribute to like creating story and changing conversation and changing, um, changing people's perceptions and uh, minds about certain topics for sure I won't I won't take that away but in terms of the idea of like actual human survival if like the apocalypse were to happen you're like ah acting I've got no set of survival <laughs> I mean you're not a nurse but it's you're still providing people with mental uh escapism essentially and and like I, I can't tell you how many shows personally and probably everybody has like one show or one movie or or a few of these things that are like you know I was going through this really hard time and like this show just helped me get through it so it's like I wouldn't totally yeah. discount what you do like I mean yeah, no, like I said, like you're not a firefighter or a nurse or something, but like not only those two people are, right? Like there's tons, like I would think, I think acting is more essential than like being a banker, like a bank, like what is a banker doing? They're just holding our money. Like at least an actor is, is creating something for somebody else to be a part of and get them through a time and bring them joy, laughter. Like those are all very, very important things um, on a day to day. Like I, I need those things in my life, you know, in order to really be happy and enjoy like I love to laugh I love watching comedy and and like looking at interesting stories and like thinking about things so like I would uh give yourself a bit more credit there that's uh I guess especially in a time where um the majority of people are currently just like sitting at home binge watching it yeah like this is just saving Um, the LCBO and Netflix are what's saving us currently right now (laughs) (laughs) the two like two essential businesses yeah uh, like are Let's stay open. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's 
yeah, it's a, it's an it's an incredible job, and I'm like I'm actually just I'm so so lucky to um, to get to have done the things that I've gotten to do and have the opportunities that I've had, and uh, you know, like you have had the opportunities and get to do the things that I've gotten to do, and um, I think just like even realizing that uh, that how how actually you're incredibly right, how important it is um, in the day to day lives that. It's become a source of, uh, of uh, relief for Therapy. so many, so many people. You know, at the end of the day, what 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 do you you know if you're if you're working incredibly hard at at a job that maybe you don't particularly love, um, maybe you're looking forward to just coming home and seeing that new episode of something, following the the story of these characters because they're helping you get through a certain period within your life, and you see these struggles. I think I think that's what. Um, that's what art in general, uh, general, <laughs> my kid nods speak, been speaking this entire time and then all of a sudden I have like a speech impediment, um, I'm like five years old. The uh, art in general is, uh, I think one of its main purposes is to show that almost every experience is a shared experience. Totally. That you aren't alone in that feeling um, and particularly feelings uh, that are associated with like negativity or hurt or um, pain, that that you're not the only person who has experienced that. Yeah. And I think that takes the weight off of it. It takes the weight off of isolation. It takes the weight off of I'm terribly using the word, but it takes the weight off of uh, of of that that feeling that, that that you can't get away from it because you can because others have experienced that and been able to move on and others have uh, have uh, found ways out or have uh, have um, directions to help you get out of that way um, because there's so many different ways that people feel alone and um, art I think brings people together by being like no someone before you has felt that oh so, yeah yeah we're totally. with you we're with yeah that's amazing. Um, so you have uh, for sure a show then coming out this year. Is that what like the plan is as of currently? Yeah, I have. Uh, I haven't been given the, the release date, but um, nice. I do have a show coming out? Do you, are you allowed to tell us the network under contract? Not the network. Are you allowed to say the network or no? Uh, I guess I. Oh, if you, if you, I don't want to pressure assume. you. But if you if you are allowed, that'd be fine. But uh, if not, like, don't put yourself in harm's way. <laughs> I feel like it'd be, mm, okay. Then just don't. Just I feel don't. like it would be fine. Um, I'm uh, oh, okay. I won't. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, I just <laughs> no, don't want. I don't want to like get you in trouble or anything. So, so you have. Uh, can you tell us the genre of the show? Drama, dramedy, comma. Pardon? I said the network. Oh, you did it! Did it, it? No, it, it, it like um, it you. Uh, oh my god, I can't even speak. It like vlagged. Yeah, that's so funny. Okay, um, I'll I'll say okay if it's if it you have to go back and listen to that one point because I can't say both. Okay. If I say if I, if I say it, it's, it's pretty easy to find. Okay, but, um, don't worry about the, it. Don't say it. Don't put your. Pardon? Okay. Well, the genre, the genre is. Uh, 
things. Um, Hold on. Do you know what's really funny? You said the network and you said the genre and both times like the the connection cut out. So I feel like that's just a sign to just not say it at all. Because like I, you were perfectly clear right up until you just said it, and I was, yeah, it's it's fine. But when when it is released, um, we'll be sure to uh, talk about it and let the listeners know, and I'll like update your uh, show notes and stuff so that so just don't worry. I'm I'm freaked out about that stuff too. I have a project in the works as well, and I'm like so afraid of like like who I'm telling like who I'm showing not not that anyone's gonna steal anything but like you just don't want to jeopardize anything right and like what an easy thing to just like yeah. not include it it's like whatever we know that you're it's it's fine anyway I look forward to be being yeah. able to watch it when it's released on whatever network that it's on <laughs> well, <it's amazing. laughs> oh incredible I know that's incredible. too funny but also good for you so, okay, I want to ask you about your, uh, so I always ask everybody about their sneakers or their footwear that they usually bring to the recording <laughs> session. You have them with you, though. Um, so why did you choose those shoes? Um, these shoes are um, here. They're little, they're brown loafers with, like, a blue suede top. The reason I chose them was, first of all, I... I, um, sorry, decline, decline. That's okay, your audio is still good. It's still there? Yep. I'm just kidding. I don't know how I got it. Oh, but do not disturb, but anyways, okay. Um, I, uh, my, my, uh, roommate best friend, um, had a film premiere at TIFF a couple years ago. Oh, amazing. And she invited me to be her, like, red carpet date, and I had get had a soup just given to me um, serendipitously enough and I didn't have any shoes to go with it and I didn't have that much money at the time but I splurged on these shoes because I figured that this was an important thing and for some reason I was like if if anybody's going to be looking at you they're going to be looking at your feet so I um, went and got these shoes and um, at the premiere they uh, it was at Roy Thompson Hall they like walk you in and you have all of the photos and the press and then they take the cast of the movie into a separate waiting area and they take their plus ones into a different area because at the beginning of the movie they bring the cast on stage and they do like a little intro and like a speech beforehand um, and uh, I think they were preparing them for that so I was alone and I didn't know anybody there but uh, people like Donald uh, Sutherland was there. And, uh, um, I remember, like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know anybody. I'm just going to take advantage of the open bar. Why not? So I went and got a glass of champagne. I started, like, chatting with some people. And I went and another glass of champagne. And uh, at one point, I'm, like, super animated. I'm talking with my hands. And I accidentally, like, hit the bottom of the champagne flute. Oh, and no. it flew out and, like, landed at somebody's feet. And I was like, oh, no. And I look, and it's Nelly Furtado. No! Because she's dating one of the guys at the time. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my um, God. And uh, I apologize. Very sweet. And she's like, oh, don't worry. You barely got me. Um, I don't know what to do. I'm, like, red in the face. I go, there's a candy bar. I just, like, go to the candy bar. And then all of a sudden, I feel her next to me. And... We make eye contact again, and I don't know what to say beyond, I love your work. 
<laughs> she's like, thanks. And I'm like, yeah, good for you. And she's like, thanks. And I'm like, okay, you know what? See what you're just digging that grave. You're digging that grave. You're digging that grave. So I decide in terms of self-preservation that I'm just going to go to the other side of the room and just going to prevent any other possible um, interaction from happening. And I start chatting with this other this other woman. She's really, really lovely. Um, and then uh, they make an announcement saying that they're going to take the plus ones into uh, into the, the seating area for the show. And I go to turn around to listen. And I, like, turn quick. And I bump somebody forward. And I, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hold on. You just cut out. Is it her again? It was Nelly Furtado Oh, again, my God. Did you smell her drink? <laughs> I I pretty much like blacked out at the moment. All I remember is she just put her hand on my shoulder and she was like, "Sweetie," it's <laughs> like I'm I'm, dr- I'm drunk. I'm just nervous. Oh <laughs> just really nervous. To- um, That's but so it was funny. amazing. And then um, that was in September, and then in October and November, I wore these shoes to two different auditions and um the first and uh i ended up booking um a show where i it was my first recurring character and then after that i got to work with uh on a show with priyanka chopra oh my god i love her um, and then i wore them and my anthony and i booked that one too so it just became like uh they were, they were ultimately, uh, like, I was unaffordable at the time, but they were a good investment. Oh, wow. So they're, like, literally have become your lucky shoes almost, in a way. Yeah, like, I would like to pretend that I'm not superstitious, but totally. I always wear them. Even if they're, like, kind of ratty, I'm like, those guys. Nice. Those are the I love that. I feel like also you might work with Nelly Furtado at some point later because, like, I don't know. That was just, like, a, an interesting interaction. Like, I feel like there's something being set up for later. Yeah. Uh, who knows? I mean, like, <laughs> if anything, I would hope it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's probably, hi, nice to meet you for the first time ever. And you're like, hello. <laughs> nice to meet you for yeah, the first time ever. The first time ever. I've never met you. <laughs> She's like, No! This is so funny. Not you. Oh my god. Um. Okay, and I wanted to ask you as well. Uh, what is one piece of advice you'd give to like your younger self or somebody that's like sort of walking a similar path to to yours? Um. Um. After all of our, all of this conversation happening, I think we touched on it a couple times, but ultimately, um. You, as your youiest self, is the best thing that you can offer. Um, I think in any any industry, in anything that you want to pursue, uh, you is what separates you from everybody else. You, the way you operate, the way you see the world, um, is like no other, and that is how you can uh, make your mark. Uh, I think um, 
I wanted to be seen in certain ways, and I would, I would uh, try to control the narrative about like what types of characters I think I should portray, or the types of roles I should be getting, or um, who I wanted to be versus who I am. And the minute I let that go is when I started booking stuff, and instead of giving an idea of what I thought casting directors would want, I uh, started doing what I thought was best. And I think that's when I started to uh, try, started to be seen, you know? Amazing. By, uh, by, bringing, by bringing yourself to it. I love it. Yeah. Beautiful. It's such, it's, it's so, it, like, you'd think, like, duh, but, like, you know, it's hard to sometimes, like, just remember, be like, no, like, like that's what they want to see. That's what people want to see is, like, you, you know? So I really resonate with that. Um, what? I think that goes to relationships or friendships. Or exactly. Any scenario. People, people are over us. Exactly. Um, okay, so that's it for this episode. I just realized, too, I forgot to ask you what your Instagram is, but I'm pretty sure it's just at steventracy1, right? Yeah. At yeah. steventracy. Okay, so guys listening... Um, First of all, thanks for listening. Um, and you you guys can all follow Steven. So it's, uh, I think I just remember, so it's, I think it's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-T-R-A-C-E-Y and then the number one. Am I correct? We're a little oh, no, closer. It's just S-Tracy. S-T-R-A-C-E number one. Oh, S-Tracy one. Okay, sorry. So I was wrong. Um, okay, so guys, everybody follow Steven at S-Tracy one, right? He's frozen again, but I think that that's what he said. Um, okay, now he's nodding, so this is good. This is, okay, good. Excellent. Um, and then you guys can uh, definitely follow the podcast on Instagram at Coming Up In My Sneakers. And if you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts and you feel so inclined to give a five-star review, that would be most welcome. Uh, otherwise, have a great week, everyone. Enjoy uh, this continued isolation we are all dealing with. And don't get caught wearing dirty sneakers. Bye, everybody.